Caleb, are you working on any new stain colors, man? That's what I want to know. I won't tell your customers, but yeah, we're working on a white. Have you been looking for a business podcast with hosts and guests who don't have a stick up their ass? Yeah, I said it. Damn! Well, if so, welcome to your new home, brother. Brother. This is My Fence Life. Woo! Our three passions are beer, bourbon, and business. And probably in that order. We're bringing on business owners who share tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes stories to help your business be more successful. And we drink during the show. So no matter what industry you're in, pop a cold one and come on in. Welcome to the My Fence Life Studio. What's happening, fellas? Fence lifers, guys, gals, everybody. Look who I got with me tonight, man. Mr. Caleb Roth, Mr. Stain and Seal himself. What's happening, man? Good day, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, we're on episode 89, and uh, I think we got a great title for tonight's show. Stain, Seals, and Fence Appeal. Reviving your outdoor spaces. Look, guys, we got a great guest for y'all tonight. Um, Give you a little bit bit of info about him. He's married for 26 years and a father of five boys and one daughter. This guy's got six kids, so he's got to make some money. He doesn't have a choice. He was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He lived in the Azores for three years where he snorkeled for a living, catching octopus and spearfishing. Wouldn't you like to do that, uh, Caleb? Yeah, yeah, I do want to do that, actually. (laughs) Anyway, now he's living in Plattsmouth, Nebraska. It's just about a five-hour drive north of Oklahoma City. He immigrated to the USA as an illegal in 1997, unknowingly, and became a legal resident in 1999 and a citizen in 2009. Then... He joined the Army National Guard in 2009, and he's still serving, serving as a military police, and he was named Soldier of the Year in 2021 for his actions and example of leadership during the 2020 riots in Omaha, Nebraska. Huh. Wow. Started staining in 2014 part-time while working at the post office. Went full-time staining in 2017, and he hasn't regretted a second of it, man. Says he loves staining. And uh, if you know him on Facebook, <clears throat> you know that this guy likes to stain. So let's go ahead. And we're going to bring him on right now, guys. What's happening, buddy? Mr. Justin, uh, I call him Justin Mag- Magnesium because I don't know how to say his last name. But y'all all know I'm horrible at that kind of stuff. So uh, he's making all things new. If you're not on Facebook and you, if you're on Facebook and you don't know who Justin is, something's wrong. This guy does some amazing stain work. Matter of fact, he helped me out with uh, with my website. I hit him up. He's like, Justin, I need some photos for my website. He was like, No problem, man. Shot me over some pictures and uh, got me started. So how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Yourselves. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. How about you, Caleb? Better than I deserve, man. Doing great. <laughs> well, we we here to talk about some staying, guys. What are we going to talk about? What y'all got on your What you got on your mind? What's 
What's good? Well, let me ask you this first, and this might be the wrong question to ask a couple guys that are in the staining business. But are y'all going to uh, the uh, fence show in Las Vegas? Are you going to that, Justin? I wasn't planning on it, but uh, I've asked. I've been asked to go by a couple people, and just haven't made my mind up yet. I think uh, you're going to be there, huh, Caleb? Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, I think we're going to have a good time, man. We'll definitely be there. My fence life. So, uh, real quick before we go any further, guys, I got to give a big shout out to uh, SWIFence.com. We want to thank those guys for everything they do for the show. Your home for fencing tools, fencing supplies, and everything you need. No dig. And you know what it is. Word on the street is you get a rubber chicken or you get some uh, little flip flop key ring to hang from your uh, rear view mirror. And of course, we got Mr. Caleb Roth, expert stain and seal. Thank you for everything you do for us, man. So let's get down to business. Um, before we got on, I was like, hey, Caleb, I want to do this. I want to do that. Caleb was over there making him a pot of tea. And uh, you got your little tea kettle. <laughs> he held up his little tea kettle. I was like, I'm making tea for the show. And uh, he's like, hey, you mind if I, uh, I interrupt the show and bring something up? And I was like, no, man, do whatever you want. And uh, he mentioned that he had a concern and something that he wanted to address. I think we ought to just take that right out the gate and roll with it. Oh, great. I've had no time to prepare for it. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. So, Staining University Facebook group. I still see guys on there that are that are new getting into the business, um, getting into a business, and they don't know. how. They're asking the question, how much should I charge for this? Uh, is this a good price? And... Um, I just thought it, it would make sense to talk about um, costing out a job, bidding a job properly. Um, I know some of you feel like you're getting beat over the head with this, but um, what, I, what I charge, what Justin charges, and what Dan charges, three different numbers. And if I charge what Dan charges, I shouldn't be able to feel good about myself just because I, that, well, if Dan can do it for that, then I can too, because it may not be the case. So I just thought it would make sense to talk about how to, how to bid a job any for anything any any industry yeah i mean i know i know when we bid jobs we uh kind of starts with your p and l really <laughs> you know yeah i mean yeah. if you're uh gross if you're shooting for let's just use round numbers a hundred thousand dollars a month in sales and your overhead is forty thousand. Well, you at least need to be doing a margin of 40 to cover your expenses, right? So yeah. there's a lot of, uh, I mean, your P&L probably is the start of it, you know? Yeah. What do you think, Caleb? Man, let me present. If do you, if you, I guess let me ask you this. Do you trust me? A little bit, a little you bit. Trust me. Go ahead. If you trust me, let me uh, let me present, and I'll show you a little a little um, easy P and L um, spreadsheet I got. Let's see here. All right, can you see? Uh, no. Let me think. I think I need to add it to the stream, and if you want, I can remove everybody but you, you Caleb. Go. Okay. You the big man on a look All right. at you. So this may look like a bunch of nothing to most of you guys. You're looking for for one thing here. We use QuickBooks. We have a, a bookkeeper. We have a CFO. We have people that do this. But I use this one for me, and I get every single job comes through. 
Um, and I still hold on to this uh, responsibility of through blue is a cleaning job. Red or orange are starting to fade out is a is a staining job. And so this is a check and this is a, a completed work order. And we get these. I got a bunch of them. They come through. I get stacks of them. And I like to go through and do a job. But what I've done is I've copied the, my sheet that I use and um, I've made it here and I'll, I'll, I'll give it away to some stain guys. If they'll reach out to me, I'll get you one, Justin. But basically I'm going to run through this really quick. Um, each, each um, section we have paid. Is it paid? Uh, an expert club. I, I do the, the, I don't do the paid status. Somebody else does that. But basically I put my customer name right here. I put the estimate amount. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Dan Blanc's job. Ooh. And um, sometimes I like to put this information in uh, backwards. Like I, I put it in based on the job that we've already quoted. But sometimes if I have a big job that I'm trying to get or quote, I can use this sheet to actually kind of bid the job out and see. Um, so let's just let's just do do simple math. So let's just say we're bidding a job for a thousand dollars. The stain color, the moisture content, all of that doesn't really matter. And the gallons, you can see what, what I charge myself for stain. Um, we buy a lot of stain and um, we buy it from ourselves. So let's just say we have a um, $1,000 job. Justin, what do we need? $5. We need five gallons worth of stain. So it's automatically going to calculate based on whatever my number is. And if I wanted to clean it, it, it it's all in there. Um, but, but essentially to bid a job, you need to know what it costs you. And so when you, when you cost out a job, you're going to have materials, right? So here I'm showing some stain and I'm going to have sundries. So for, for us as a stain contractor, we have what we call sundries, which would be things we throw away, masking paper, plastic, tape, uh, disposable masks, brushes, etc. I book about $12 for each one because we don't use very much. For a fence contractor, that's going to be things like... Um, mm, screws maybe chucks drills I don't, I don't know but anything that you would use like on a consumable basis for a job so like skill uh, saw blades stuff like that etc yeah exactly yeah. um but but there you go so if, if i put my uh material cost in i've got my those are materials that cost me that it takes me to produce that job and let's just say that i've got i generally book a crew for um if i'm running a crew one man crew two man crew etc um I don't book it by the hours. I pay my guys by the hour, um, but I pay them all day. So it, you know, it doesn't right. matter if 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 they're working two hours on a job. If they did two jobs in a day, then I'm going to book it for four for a half a day per man. So let's just say it was two men a half a day. So it'd be eight man hours. I got a labor rate in here of thirty dollars, um, and I've also got a place for sub labor. So if you're subbing a job, you can do that. For me. You don't have to include your mileage in um, a PL, but I like to because I can't do the job if I don't get to the job. So let's just say that we had uh, 40 miles in there and um, I've got a, a multiplier for the mileage. But essentially, we want to know what the job cost us to produce. Whether you do it yourself or you paid somebody to do it, you had to produce the job. And so what I'm looking at right here is that my cost with five gallons of stain, eight man hours, $12 worth of stuff we threw away, and 40 miles we had to drive to do the job. My cost is $475. And we said we had a $1,000 job here. So um, I'm sitting at a 52% gross profit margin. 
And I also break this down by the total, total gross profit, the percentage that it is of the job and uh, gross profit for a man hour. I, I personally like to be uh, more in that 60 to 70% range. You can't always do that. Um, but, but I like, I like to be up in around the 60 Tom Reber from the contractor fight. Y'all know him. He recommends 50% or more. Uh-huh. And, uh, some people are running 30, some people are running 40, but back in, when I was in the fence business, we ran 30% margin and we were broke and we couldn't figure out why, you know, um, if for everybody listening on the podcast, you need to come to go to our YouTube channel to see this spreadsheet to more understand what Caleb's talking about, but it's a pretty impressive spreadsheet. Looks very easy to use. Um, so then that way you can, uh, I'll show you. Do you want to, you want to put it back up? No, I'm going to give you another one because this is better for fence guys. I think, um, uh, another spreadsheet. Nope. I'm going to give you a free website you can go to. That's, it's not my website and somebody else's, but, um, let me just share my screen. Yeah, go ahead. My screen's busy. So y'all don't get excited. And look guys, uh, we're live tonight. This we're on YouTube. If you just, if you just Google search, uh, profit margin calculator, um, you can get it. It's omnicalculator.com forward slash finance forward slash margin. Uh, this will give you a, a margin calculator. If you don't know how to figure a margin, this will do it for you. So if you zero this out, so Dan, give me a number that costs me to produce a job, just an average fence job. What's it cost to produce it? Um, to produce an average fence job? Well, yeah, just throw me a number out there. Uh, I, know it, I know it depends. Uh, $2,500. let us say $2,497.88. That's what go. it cost me to produce the job. And let's just say I want to bid on a 30% margin. Well, you've made a thousand bucks gross. What if I want to go to 50? Well, now I'm at, at 2497 would be uh, my sales price right here. And then profit would be 2497 Um 60% margin, you're starting to get on up there. Um, so if it costs you $2,500 to produce that job, go around numbers, and you're at a 60% margin, you would sell for $6,250. Profit would be $3,750. Um, what does it cost Netflix to... Um, because a lot of guys start looking at these 60 and 70% margins and they start freaking out and they feel unethical and things like that. And I get it. Um, and you can be unethical with it if you go buy like a yacht and you don't pay your people. But if you pay your your team members above average and you offer them benefits and you offer them retirement and you offer them insurance and things like that, you have to pay for it with something. So the, the higher margins will help with that. Um, so for a great example I like to use is Netflix. So what does Netflix cost a month? Do you know? Um, dude, it's a subscription. I don't pay attention, but it's probably like 15 bucks or something. Yeah, well, I think it's 20 bucks. Let's just say it's 20 bucks. Is it 20? I should probably pay attention to that. Yeah, so so they say that it costs them less than a penny to onboard someone new. Really? Okay. Yeah, so let's say it's nineteen ninety nine a month. They're running a 99 0.995% margin. So let's just say it cost them 10 cents. They're still a 99.5% gross profit margin. So all the big companies that grow the most have extremely high profit margins. So for whatever that's worth, whoever needed to hear that. That's all I yeah, get. so that's a great website. What's that website again? 
It's Omni Calculator. You can just you can just do a Google search for um, profit margin calculator mm-hmm. or gross margin calculator. Yeah, y'all hear all that noise in the background. That's Justin's uh, tribe. He's got a whole basketball team over there. <laughs> They're playing backyard football right now. <laughs> He's got a basketball team and one cheerleader. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, so the, the that margin's a big deal, man. Um you know, I didn't really have a grasp of that until later in my business life. And then I really got a grasp when old Ron the consultant came in. And he started throwing numbers around, and I was like, oh, wow, never thought about it like that. Oh, wow, okay. You know, um, he asked me, you know, what margin are you selling at? And I forget what it was at the time, but he's like, "Uh, yeah, well, that's why it seems like some months you're barely making it because it's not right. You don't don't have the right right margin. Look at what it's costing you a month to run your, your business. You need to go up on your margins. And I'm like, man, there's no way. Well, I went up on my margins, and guess what? Yeah, we didn't have any problems. Now, we started losing some more jobs, but guess what? We were getting a more quality customer. You know? And that's a big deal, man. I think it's a good exercise for everybody to do the math and figure out what it costs you to run your business per month. You know, so... Justin, do you use something like that? How do, how are you working your uh, bidding your jobs? So, uh, oh, where do I start? So three years ago at one of Caleb's events, Matt Warner was speaking about time and the value that time has. And I got the opportunity to talk to him afterwards and one of these breakout eating slash meeting up. And he and I talked a little bit about knowing your expenses, knowing your numbers and knowing your numbers was kind of a, um, a, something I, I didn't know, to be honest with you. I mean, four years ago, five years ago, um, you know, we were probably breaking even a lot of jobs, maybe 40%, 30% profit margin. Um, and so when I came away from that November staying in university event, I came home and I did some homework. I basically looked at, all my expenses, what we were doing, what we weren't doing, what we were using, tape, paper, brushes, uh, fuel, mileage, everything that comes into play in order to get a job, the estimate time, the estimate mileage, uh, all my expenses. And then what I did was like Tom Reber talks about, okay, so if I'm spending a minimum of $500 with labor expenses, uh, estimate time, uh, whatever goes into getting that job, I need to at least be making $1,000 when I sell that job to have a 50% break. Um, and so we started implementing that. Um, and then from there, we just, like you mentioned, we increased our margins. Um, yeah, we were getting less jobs and, and I don't want every job. I want the good paying jobs, the ones that are going to be worth my time and worth my efforts. And do I, you know, it, it, it's worked out, you know, we don't we don't have to do 200 jobs a year to make the same profitability that we could do with 125 or 150 those 50 jobs that we're not taking on is not hurting us because of knowing what your numbers are what your your expenses are what your costs are yeah it's nice when you do less work and make more money yeah. and, it, and it's yeah. not and it's not that you're making more money you're finally making the money that you should have been making 
that's yeah. really the way it should be said, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, and you and you like Caleb mentioned, you take those, you take that increase in your profit margin, and uh, I don't buy boats, I don't buy fancy houses, I'm not, you know, in the villa in France. Uh, but what you do is you make sure that the employees that you want to keep, that you're able to keep, that you're going to take care of them, you're going to take them to training classes, you're going to invest in that employee, so he's reinvesting back into the business. So you're investing that gross profit into your business and into the stability of that continual growth. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've noticed. I've noticed since we did that, we were able to start offering more things. Like we started offering more paid holidays. Mm -hmm. We started offering more vacation time, you know. Um, I just used to give my guys a week's paid vacation. But then I was like, hey, have you been with me more than I forget how long it is? But we're going to give you two weeks paid vacation now. We're going to go ahead and add this and this hot paid holiday. And we were able to start doing those things. And it makes it nice, you know? Yeah. It makes it nice. You know, I can speak to that point there. What you just said, the problem is most of us guys grew up. um, When you run the business, you don't get paid holidays. And you don't get... You know, Labor Day off. You don't get two week paid vacation. If you're not working, you don't you don't get paid. And so I think it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that sometimes. That um, you know, if you go get a job somewhere else, they're going to give you two weeks. They're going to give you this and they're going to give you that. And so I think for me coming up, it was like, well, well, I grew up working seven days a week and we would work till dark. And if, right. if somebody else didn't want to do that, then they just weren't they weren't as good or as tough as us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had to change our we had to change our thinking, right? So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And yeah, so that margin, you gotta you gotta make more. You gotta literally, there's less hours in the day too, right? Because we're, our guys are getting off work at three thirty instead of seven or eight, like like we used to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we do have to bid the jobs higher. It's just it's just the way it is. There has to be. It's not that we're bidding it higher. We just have to bid it proper. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. worth yeah. looking at your books for sure. Definitely knowing your numbers is a, is a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, and like, you know, ask me about my day episode number 13. I sat down with Nathan Downs like, dude, I, I didn't I didn't realize this, man. You know, I kind of had a coming to Jesus. I knew my numbers, but I really didn't know them like I thought I knew them. And then once I started dissecting them and then I had someone come in and start showing me some things that I didn't know. Yeah, it was a big game changer, huge. So, yeah. how, how's the um, how is the stain business overall going for everybody? I noticed we've had a little bit of a of a slowdown. The phone has slowed down a little bit. We've seen it, even though we're up from last year and the year before that. <laughs> I still feel like we're 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 slowing down. But I had a little conversation with Dylan today, and Dylan said, "Well." We're already done more than we did uh, this year, this time last year. He goes, it's not that we're slowing down. Literally, my guys have doubled how many feet per hour they can do because of the tools that we've given them to do it. And we added a third crew. So he's like, let's back this down. You know, it's funny how I'm 49 now, my my 27-year-old son's taking me to school, right? He's like, well, let's look at it like this, Pop. We got this many jobs. If we only had two crews, we'd have, you know, two more weeks on the books. But instead, 
that third crew's eating all that up. Mm-hmm. So really, we're not slowed down. We're really steady, you know. And then you know, Josh Josh Glover said this man. He said he doesn't usually stay, but more than about a week out on his uh, residential guys. You know, and he stays steady. I was like, you know, okay. it's that time of year. This happens every year. You get a little, you get a little lull when school goes out and everybody starts panicking. And uh, it's it's a great time for a reset because I coach two t-ball teams. Two and, of them, huh? Yeah, two of them. Um, last um, last week, that was the end of it. They're they're letting the they're letting the t-ball run into July, and it's a bad idea because everybody's on vacation. None of the teams are showing up now. Just had a game tonight, and, and we had to wait 20 minutes for the other team to have enough players. So I think I think it's just it's the time. Everybody's off work. It's slowed down a little bit because everybody's worried about vacation. Everybody's going and spending money. I think this is actually um, just a. It's the way it goes. Happens every year. I wouldn't. I would hold. What we tell our our teams is stick to your guns. Don't go lower in your price. Like there's no there's nothing nothing going on. This is normal. When it's two weeks after school gets out, and two weeks when school goes back in, you're going to see that slowdown every year. I think yeah. that's normal. Yep. That's something the the new guys will, you know, they'll they'll have a little panic there, but it's normal. Well, I think the reason why I raised my eyebrow is, um, you know, I didn't have three crews last year. Got that year. extra crew, yeah. So that extra crews kind of thrown me off, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? You know, but when you look at all the numbers, they don't lie. Mm-hmm. We're rocking and rolling, you know, and you know, in taking care of your guys is a big thing. Um, I had two of my guys come to me and say, hey, you know, uh, you know such and such that, you know, quit and he went working for somebody else, yeah. Well, he's been trying to hire us. And I was like, man, I'm not going anywhere. We, we told him we're not going anywhere. And that made me feel good, you know. I was like, wow, okay. Now I'm starting to kind of see everything that I've been trying to do to make these guys feel like this is a home and we have we're, – we're, we're – we're more than just a team and 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 take care of those guys when just not just every day but when they have issues you know yeah so um that was a really good feeling when i heard that this morning because we had a monday morning meeting and one guy stayed behind to talk to me and he was actually apologizing for something that he did and then this afternoon another guy came in and was telling me the same thing so i had two guys in one day tell me that it was a good feeling, man. Real good feeling. Yeah, man, those things happen. Those things yeah. happen. So, um, man, we're getting ready to stay in our first black fence. Now, I had experience doing the staining of our samples. I don't know, Justin, if you've seen that badass <laughs> uh, sample thing that we built. But, mm-hmm. uh, man, it was like it was like I was cleaning out my barbecue pit. Everything I touched <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then my guys that were working on it came and they like put their arm up on the door frame and I'm like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> that black is black, huh? Yeah. Um, it, it is powerful stuff. That's yes, true. it's very powerful, but it is going to really make this uh, job look good. It's about 600 foot of floorboard. We, uh, we uh, stretched some goat wire on it. And I think the guys, we're going to stain it Friday while another crew is hanging the gates and doing the operator. So we're going to knock that sucker out. You, you know? spraying it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why? 
I'm just going to give you tips. If you, if, have you ever done one before? No. What are the tips? Talk to me. I'll be right back. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take oh, you along. Oh, jeez. So, Justin, man, what are your experiences with black stain? Uh, it, it is dirty. It uh, is it is dirty. Uh, so when you when you get it on anything, get it off as quickly as possible. Don't let it dry. It's tough to get off. If you let it dry, yeah. If you get it while it's wet, it comes up real easy. But yeah, don't don't be a procrastinator who allows it to sit there overnight and then come back to take care of it. <laughs> All right, what you gonna show us, Caleb? What you got there, man? I am. I we are the four rail. I don't want to say the four rail kings, but we're very good at them. We do a lot of four rails. I wish I had a four rail. I got I got a book here. So this book is uh, very indi- like it's similar to a rail fence. Uh-huh. So when you're spraying a four rail, that's backwards on my screen, so I'm trying to figure out how. No, to you're do this. fine. You're good. When you spray a four rail, you you typically you're going to use your spray gun. We don't use the long extension when we do four rails. I mean, if you're doing 100 foot and you got an extension, you can use it. But when we do four rails, we're doing like a thousand foot an hour type of a thing. So we're we're doing the big fences. So we're using a gun, and we use a so industry standard for four rails is 321, 323, or 325 tips. I usually give give the new guy a 321 till he gets his feet wet, and then a 325, a 323 is kind of the medium range. And you got somebody who can move pretty quick. You give them a 325, and that's just the size of tip. The three indicates the fan pattern. So at six inches out, that fan, or I'm sorry, at, at a foot away, that fan pattern is going to be uh, six inches. But when okay. you're spraying four rail, you've got the top edge of the board, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, we typically we're going to do a pass across the board, you know, back and forth, and um, three to four passes per board, and you're you're moving quickly with it, you're, you know. We're not just spraying a board real slow once. We're we're moving, and what I like to see is the first pass. I want my fan pattern kind of pointing down, so I get the top edge of that board. So I don't I don't want my overspray to spray over the board. I want my overspray to go right into the top of this board. I want it to land right there. So my first pass, my overspray's my, the top of my fan pattern is coming at this angle, and then I'm lowering it down slowly. And then my last one is going to get the probably the bottom of the board. So my fan pattern will look like this on the first pass, like this on the second pass, like this on the third, and then the fourth is going to be catching that bottom edge. And um, I see a lot of guys spraying four rails with like uh, big fat wide tips, like the same thing they spray a privacy fence with and you can do it. It's just difficult. So if you, if you get the right tip and uh, just use the gun without the extension on it, you can move quick. Typically you're going to stand up um, kind of almost in the middle of the panel and a guy with a long arm, he can get that whole section all the way across. Uh And um, do you guys put cover boards on your four rail? Yes. You want to watch your cover boards. I recommend when you when you spray your cover boards, um, I like to spray top rail, second rail, third rail, fourth rail. And that puts me in a position where I'm all the way at the bottom of the fence. And so when I come up to go up that up the post, uh-huh. I've, I kind of flick it up and under. 
And so I can get up under that cover board. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If I'm coming straight down on the cover board, I'm going to miss that little that little piece. Yeah. And if you go down on your cover boards, when you, when you get finished with the 5,000 feet of fence and you look, you'll see that little strip of yellow under every cover board. You got to go back and hit it. So when you get your last board, you will, you will come up. And then I like to go right down the face and then same thing. Go back up well, the other side. Fortunately, this customer made us take the cover board and stick it down at about an inch below the bottom uh board yeah you're still you still take a that that makes it mm -hmm. worse <laughs> yeah that'll make it worse um just it's easy just tell your guys make sure to get that little spot under the cover board and you and also you want to spray you know if you have a you know here's a four by four post you, you don't want to spray straight on i like to spray at, like this because that six inch fan pattern will get both sides of the posts with one past so i can you see what i'm saying yeah so yeah. my fan if i'm going up and down this i can get i can get two sides of the post at once instead of one side but if you get good at four rails man you can really do some damage with it you can, like i said thousand foot an hour is not 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 at all uncommon really yeah wow but you got i mean obviously you need to be set up for it you need to have two guys you got to have somebody driving a truck you know yeah well we're gonna we're about to find out man i'm excited to get this job done and um i was trying to say this earlier we're doing a lot of hand motions and we're showing all kinds of stuff that we normally don't show on this on this show so remember guys we're on uh we're on uh facebook you can catch it we're in uh, uh fence industry only uh facebook group we're also on linkedin and we're live on youtube and you can go back and catch this video on YouTube if you're listening to it on the podcast and you want to see all the tips and tricks that Caleb has given us. Guess we got to do a video now, and then Jason, uh, Justin can can show how he does uh, four brushes, two in each hand, and do some. Yeah, you got to hold them like this. It's one in here and one in here, and you just brush. <laughs> I tell you what, man. I used to cut grass. I started out as a grass guy back in '98. Me too, man. And too. you know, we had a zero turn radius machine, and I tell you what, it got to where when you learned how to work that that zero turn radius, it was almost like you were dancing. It was almost like a like a dance to make that thing move and turn and do what you wanted to do. So I can imagine when you're out there staining, oh, I've done four board before. It's almost like a certain dance that you do just to get it done, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just moving in the right directions and, and squatting when you're supposed to squat and stretching when you're supposed to stretch. It's something that you learn, you know. We ought to give, we ought to give stain dancing classes. I think you nailed it, man. I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah, because I can remember, man, when I was on that zero turn, it was just literally just moving my arms, and it was like it was like a, it was. I could do it, and not even think. You know, yeah. we cut so many yards. But I think that's that. I think that's one of the problems you see with a lot of the new folks, especially in the staining industry, is they want to, uh, they want to start as a newbie and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but they want to be at the level of somebody who's been doing it for 10 years. And then yeah. they question, well, why can I do three, you know, why can I stain three decks in a day? Well, you just started like you've never stained before. You got to give it time. You got to learn. There's learning and trial and errors. There's methods to like the four rail. You know, if you've never stained a four rail, uh, 
you know, it's going to take you forever compared to Caleb and his crew that have been doing it, you know, every single day and they're doing thousands of feet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, doing our fences, man. We've got a, we, we've got a process, you know, guys get out the truck and it's boom, boom, boom. And, and somebody that doesn't do that every day, especially homeowners, they come out, you know, you got 300 foot of fence set railed all the boards laid out and they're like oh my god y'all gonna finish this tomorrow yeah we'll be out here by noon <laughs> well i think it's important though as as a youngster because i was a youngster in the staining business or the fence business or whatever when you're new you want to you want to make some little mistakes because that's how you learn and if, if you don't make any mistakes if you go zero to a hundred when you do start, when you do make a mistake, because you're going to, you don't want to be, you don't want it to be a hundred thousand dollar mistake. You want it to be yeah. one you can go back and oh, I can go back and fix that. That's yeah. an easy fix. You don't, you know. That's one thing about me, man. With my guys, I make them go back and fix the mess ups. Mm-hmm. Very, very rarely, unless it doesn't work out, and I got a customer screaming, and I got to go the next day, and that crew's on another job. Very rarely do I have somebody go fix somebody else's mistake. Because if they don't fix it, then they're going to do it again. Yeah, you know? that for sure. So, anyway, um, I'm sure Mr. Making All Things New has screwed up on some decks before. I know those big, oh, beautiful yeah. decks you yeah. post, they haven't all yeah. looked like that. No, no. And I would be lying if I told you I've always had a perfect-looking deck, and I've never had an error, and I've never had a customer call me back to say that I missed up or – I missed, uh, you know, uh, fences, shadow box fences are a great example of if you don't get down low, uh, if you don't have a stand man pole where you can get that nice angle to hit that bottom uh, two by four and the customer goes out there and they're on their hands and knees checking out every little bit of that fence, uh, you know, and I'm six, three, I'm two eighty five. I hate getting down that low. Uh, but if I don't do it, the customer's going to see it. And so, yeah, I, I've had I've had my share of errors and mistakes and having to go back. And uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. If if you send uh, if I send Edwin out to go fix a mistake that I made, what am I teaching him? Right. You know, oh, I'm not going to be accountable for my mistake or my error and fess up to it or, you know, take the responsibility. I'm going to send somebody else. Now, when you go back and you hear the customer's complaint and, and you fix it and you can explain to them that you're there to fix it, it lets the customer know that you're not just that uh, that office dweller that's just going to send somebody to fix your mistake also. Well, yeah, and I think when you send your crew out or the guy who made the mistake and they've got to look that customer in the eye, it makes a big difference, man. It really does. Yeah. It makes a yeah. huge difference because they're having to look them in the eye. They're having to hear them they're having to have them look over their shoulder to make sure it's done right this time it it builds some character yeah you know for sure and you know that's one thing to tell customers hey you know hey chill out stop looking over our shoulders give us some room to breathe but when you're not screwed up and you're fixing it you can't say a whole lot (laughs) well you know you know here's one way i look at it i always tell my guys this don't if they most people aren't going to look for anything, but if they see something, now they're going to start looking. You know, mm-hmm. because it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, if you find a hair in your food, 
the restaurant, now you're probably going to start looking around and seeing seeing other things. So I recommend uh, fixing that stuff, man. Squat down like Jason the Judge. I keep calling you Jason tonight. I don't know why. <laughs> well, that's all right. Listen, you know, that's what I tell my guys when something happens and they call in last minute or something happens and I didn't know they had to go back to a job or they left the air compressor so they got to reroute to that job to go to the next one. And we've already told the customer they're going to be there by 8 a.m. And now you're not showing up till 9 a.m. We've already watered down our word and now they have doubt in them. Yeah. So we can't we can't have that doubt. We got to do what we say we're going to do. So when we need to utilize our experience, it's not oh you just feed me a bunch of bullshit, right? They're yeah. like oh this guy knows what he's talking about. He's been on top of his game since day one, you know, with this yeah. project. So that's a that's a huge huge thing. So Caleb. Are you working on any new stain colors, man? That's what I want to know. Are you you're done conjuring up colors? Oh, uh, we got a, a white, a white. Justin, oh, I, won't, I won't tell your customers, but yeah, we're working on a white. Uh, we're working on some new stuff all the time. We got things cooking in the oven. I was going to ask you white because I have a stain job that um, it's like it's like. To say 300 foot of fence 298 foot of fence sold it today um and i was like hey man you know we're gonna do the stain we quoted you on a stain i really want white <laughs> so um i was like well you know i can get some white stains I was like yeah so can i and he really liked everything that he saw about expert stain and seal but he didn't have white so he's like well Basically, why would I use you if I can just go get the stain myself? He was really yeah. doing it to get it through me. So, And he also told me because the fence was so much that he might have just bought the white from me and did it himself, which I would have sold it to him. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I asked you, would you if you had anything else coming out, any new colors, because white is it's something called, I've had a yeah, couple, couple of questions about. It, so it's it's called whitewash. It's not going to be white paint. It'll be a white stain. So it'll look like Tom Sawyer did it. Yeah. And and your customer may not want that. Um, it's an acquired taste, you know. Antique white is kind of the look. You know, you're going to still see the wood grain through. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. well, the thing about stain versus the white painted picket fence is it's not going to flake and all that stuff, man. You know, you ride yeah, yeah, by, yeah, well. you know, so I, I'm totally, I've told people for years, hey, if you're going to paint, don't paint your fence white, your picket fence, stain it. It becomes part of the wood. The paint becomes part of the wood and then covers it and then it flakes. And then you go to clean it with a pressure washer and you hit it too much and it's flaking off and then you got to repaint. Do some stain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do a full color stain. So, yeah, I'm excited to see some white, but it's not going to be like Snow White. Is it'll that what you're white, telling me? But it'll, it'll be, it'll look, it'll look whitewashed. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you some pictures. So, will that be like a semi solid? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Think of Cape Cod gray or eucalyptus, but white. Be cool. Mm-hmm. It looks nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that, man. 
I'll tell you what we need, man. We need we need some of them big fence jobs. Some of these guys that are listening that have those huge fence projects. We need to, uh, and we've got, Justin, we got so many guys just dying to get into some of those big jobs. So any of the fence guys listening, if you all got, uh, if you're building a big project and you don't want to stain it and you don't know who can stain it, holler at us. We'll, we'll, we will find you somebody to stain that thing and you can, you can make money on it. Um, and you can have a fence that doesn't work crack or twist nearly as bad as it would have if you left it untreated. So I think that's an important thing for the fence industry to be thinking about is because, uh, nobody likes callbacks and a lot of callbacks happen because of warping, cracking and twisting. So we'd love to work with anybody listening on those type jobs. Yeah. And your stain is phenomenal, man. We love it. We absolutely love it. Yeah. My guys like it. A matter of fact, we just ordered shirts for everybody, and the shirts that we're ordering, we ordered some long sleeve shirts just for the stain crew, and we ordered the dry fit with the UV blocking sun in it stuff, the material, and it's going to be long sleeve. So we did black long sleeve. So we're going to see how that works. Hopefully it's not too hot, and because the guys are getting stain all in the hair on there on their arms and stuff and <laughs> and one of them's my one of one of them's my uh my middle son and he's he's coming home to my house that I just renovated about a year or so ago and he's taking a shower and I'm like, oh my God, he's got stain all over him. <laughs> you gotta have a suit, man. Wear that spray suit if you spray it. Yeah, so I think um that's what we're gonna do, man. He's gonna wear the uh we're gonna have long sleeve shirts. They already all wear pants. So um They've got those uh, those head wrap things, those sun head wrap, sun hoods or whatever they call. Mm-hmm. So we're just using that as a cover up and and going from there. Hey Justin, how far would you travel for like a big or interesting or a nice stain job? If it's worth it, I'll travel. I mean, I've I've traveled uh, four hours to go to a job before because it was it was well worth it. Yeah, so I, I think the point I want to illustrate, because I feel like I kind of need to beat that horse a little bit. We have so many stain contractors, and uh, just like the fence industry has always wanted to level up, the fence industry has been doing bigger things the last few years. The stain and seal industry is doing the same thing. And um, we know that industries that collaborate together grow faster. So um, I think a lot of fence guys, because I was a fence guy for years, were sitting on all these jobs that we're installing, and we're not, we're not staining them. And um, if if we truly if we truly think about it, we know that the wood needs to be protected. Um, even if you can't do it, we can find somebody that can do it for you. So I'm, I'd like to just challenge everybody that's listening to to shout at us. If you got projects that you want to do, um, a lot of guys don't want they don't care about making the extra money, um, and yeah. that's that's okay. But at the end of the day, you can you can do a better service, uh, leave your customer with a bigger smile. If you can set them up with somebody to do it, and we know so many, we know thousands of contractors, so we know we can find somebody in your area. And um, I think guys like me and Justin and just anybody would love to get out on if you're doing, you know, a mile of 20 foot tall wooden fence for FedEx or something. Call us, man. We'll come do it for you. We'd love to do projects like that. So yeah, um, I just want to open the door to that and let people know that is an option if you're a stain. If stain is not in your repertoire, but you've got some really beautiful jobs that, that need it, we'll, we will hook you up. We will take good care of you and your customers. Love to do that. Yeah, man. That'd be nice. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's some guys around here that are staying in that are really set up for it, like yeah. some of these pressure washing guys. I've got a guy, mm-hmm. you probably know him, uh, Stephen Venerini. Yep. He's been buying stain from me, and that guy's got a nice setup, man. He gets in and gets out, gets it done. He's got some great guys that work for him that come into the uh, the office and pick up stain. And I, I can tell you right now, he's right here in Mandeville, Louisiana, Covington, Louisiana. He'll he'll travel. I know he will. Mm-hmm. And he's yep. got the setup, the know how, and he, he knows what he's doing. I I would dare to say that every square inch in North America we could get covered. Yeah. Yeah, there's enough stain guys out there. I've been to stain and seal universities. Guys from everywhere. And they all look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> yep. You know, at least they look like it. They all got the shirts, right? Yeah. Well, that is that is my plea for our industry is, is let's work together. Fence guys, stain guys, we should be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Justin, man, you got anything you want to add before we wind this down, buddy? Uh, So... <laughs> we kind of touched on bidding and I just wanted to throw two cents in on something there. Um, so Caleb presented a great spreadsheet that helps. And I think too often uh, just today, I probably got three or four different messages, you know, Hey, how do you price this? How do you price that? And uh, I think people need to realize that they, they need to know their own numbers. You can't, you can't bid something off of Caleb's pricing because Caleb's pricing is built for Caleb for stain and seal experts. It's not, it's not set up for uh, the one man like I was just a few years ago where I'm going out there with a washer, a truck, a brush and a sprayer. Uh, You know, Caleb's taken into his pricing, his man hours, all those different things. So um, there is no magical number that, goes across the board you know if you're in california in los angeles your prices are going to be completely different than plattsmouth nebraska because our cost of living is completely different and our markets are completely different so uh know your numbers know what your profits need to be to cover your expenses and uh reach out to your to other contractors um, you know, find out what they're working on what their pricing is uh they might not give you right down to the cent of what they're charging, but they can at least give you an idea so that you're not, you know, that 99 cent guy or that $99 stainer who's out there. Yeah. Well, that spreadsheet that you got, Caleb, if anyone's fortunate enough to get a hold of that, you just go in and I'm sure there's another sheet on that. It works all the, is the, the reference you go in and plug in all your numbers on that spreadsheet and you ought to be able just to click, click, click rock and roll. Huh? Yeah, and I, I don't use that for bidding jobs. I mean, every once in a while, if we got something we're trying to quote, we want to get it. Um, we want to know where kind of where it's going to sit. I'll, I'll backwards bid it with that sheet. Uh-huh. But that that I use that for doing after doing it afterwards. And the reason I do that is because if I'm if I'm doing all these jobs um, and I'm P and L in all of them, and let's let's just say I wait till the end of the month to P and L all the jobs at once. Um, well, that's potentially thirty days that it took me to make a decision or make a course correction. Uh-huh. So for me, typically about every day, every other day, I'll get all these jobs. They, 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 they go to Mandy's desk. She gets everything figured out. And then it goes to my desk once it's all said and done. And I wrap it up. I go, I go through and do the PL on it. And if we're, if we're too cheap or if we're too, you know, I don't want to say too high, but sometimes you can't be too high. If our prices are off, then I can adjust it. And, and I have a one, a one to two day, um, 
turnaround to fix yeah. that instead of a 30 day turnaround. So I think that's important, but it's not difficult. I think I may have, I may have actually made this thing more complicated than it is to quote a job properly. You have to know what it costs you and your cost is the cost of goods sold. The cost of goods sold is labor and materials. What does it, what does it take to produce the job? And it, it takes labor and materials to produce the job. And I like to incu- include fuel because it costs mm-hmm. me fuel to get there. So um, if you know your labor and materials, you know your cost of goods sold. And if you multiply it times two, you're at a 50% margin. If you can if you can just work off of those, those simple things right there, that'll get you started and it'll put you um, light years above most other people. But one thing I will say is you can't just you can't just say it costs me material only. You can't say, well, I'm going to do it myself so I don't have any labor cost. You do have labor cost. If you were to pay someone to do the job, even if you're a one-man show, you have to figure a fair market wage to do that. You would have to say to yourself, well, I need 20 gallons of stain, and for me to go do this 200-foot fence, I would have to pay a crew however many, however many dollars it is. If it's a subcontractor, maybe you're paying them a couple of hundred bucks. Maybe if it's a crew, then you, you have an hourly wage that you're going to have to pay. Not Now, my crew can go do a 200-foot fence in about an hour and a half. Am I going to put an hour and a half of man hours on that job? I'm actually probably going to put a half a day labor on it because we've got to show up to work. we got to, we got to load uh-huh. our truck. we got to get to the job site. Yeah. So you, you need to be thinking ahead of what is it actually going to cost you to produce the job. Um, so get to that 50% yeah. margin. Labor materials times two, get you to 50%, you'd be ahead of the game. But that's what it's going to take you to. to uh, the reason for 50% is because you have to have that amount of, you, you have to, if, if you start there, it will give you what you need, the resources, the money to grow your business. If, if you wonder why the other guy's got a new Bobcat, why the other guy's got a new truck, why, you know, why his wife's got a bigger smile on her face than yours does, it's probably because. He's bidding the jobs properly so that they can feel secure because nobody wants to be doing. We all, my dad told me um, back in the day, he said, if you can't make enough money in six days, you can't make enough in seven. And so I think there's some guys that are just tired of treading water. 50% margin will get you where you're not treading water anymore. Look, man, when we, when we lose a job, we always back it up and try to figure out what's going on. And, there's a lot of guys out there in the fencing world that are not doing a 50% margin. Because I'm like, all right, there's no way this guy is buying lumber cheaper than I am. At best case, he's buying it as cheap as I am. So if he's mm-hmm. buying it as cheap as I am, I know what it costs. And you'd be amazed how many 30 percenters are out there. <laughs> there is a lot, a lot. So you want to know why why we lost the job? Well, we're, you know, twenty percent higher. That's yeah. why. You know, and right now people are more looking at price than anything. It seems like it could it's the be. Way but I, I tell feel. you what, I, it's the way you feel. But there's so many consumers out there that are actually concerned about. Like, there's a lot of people that the low bid scares them. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think. When, if, you're, if you're if you're going to buy a new truck, you need a new work truck, and you you don't want to buy a new one, you want to buy a used one, and you're looking at uh, Ford trucks, 
and you want an F three fifty flatbed. Now wait a second. Is it going to be a rainbow Ford truck, or is it going to be just yeah. a regular Ford truck? It would be. It would be a pre. Um, <laughs> I, hey, none of that woke hey, Ford F one fifties, right? I was going to get a new new Transit. So I'm I'm sticking with Sprinters. It's just the way it goes. But I, we had to vote with our dollars. But if you're if you're going to look and you look at twenty different flatbed trucks, and one of them's twenty percent cheaper than all the other ones, but all looks the same. I'm going to be scratching my head, and I'm going to be going, why is that one cheaper? Should I jump on it? Now, every once in a while, you find a deal, right? Mm-hmm. But once you've once you've been in business a little while, and you've, and you've bought a couple deals that wound up to have like a head gasket problem or something, right. you start going, mm, maybe I don't need to go. Maybe that 20% discount is not worth the chance or the risk. And people, homeowners and consumers, the same way because – they maybe they went with a cheap plumber once and it bit them in the butt. Maybe yeah. maybe they've been through this before. Maybe at work they went through a low bid and it's a problem. And so, um, I, the way I look at it is, there are some people who can only afford the low bid, and there are contractors who serve that market, um, and there are people who want a premium and a higher level of service. Um, and I'm going to be the contractor that serves that need, mainly because I think the the reason. We, we should have permission to charge the prices we charge. Not permission, but we should not feel bad about it. Is I'm willing to mortgage my house to make it right with a customer. If we mess it up, we'll fix it no matter what. And um, if I'm hiring a contractor, I'll pay extra if I know he's going to make it right no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you would think in times when you know the media's out there talking recession and all this stuff, you would think that homeowners would be more um, picky with their money and say, hey, wait a second. If I'm going to spend this money right now, I don't want that guy that's the lowest price. You know? I want that guy that I know I'm going to get more, you know, know, I can squeeze as much as I can out of this dollar. Yep. And I, and I feel like that's what we do. We give you every penny's worth of what you pay for our projects, you know? Yeah. What, I, what I think is, a lot of contractors or a lot of customers are also looking at the mistakes that they have made and they're willing to spend that extra money now to avoid that same mistake and just continuously redoing it. You know, um, customer that we did this past week uh, hired – two contractors in the last two years to stain their deck and they've had to restain their deck the third year because they were using subpar products, uh, just doing it the cheap way. And, uh, one of the things the con the, the customer asked us right away was what kind of stain are you going to use? And when we explained that we were using expert stain and seal and why we were using expert stain and seal and why we were not going to use uh, home Depot stain or low stain, uh, the wife automatically right away, said you're hired and we hadn't even talked price we hadn't talked anything yeah. the fact that we were going to do things to put their mind at ease and knowing that they're not going to be doing it every year she was just ecstatic that somebody was going to do what they were they said they were going to do and we, we give them a warranty you know and I'm, I'm i don't pride myself in a in a unrighteous way of pride but we take pride in what we're doing and we're not you know we're the local guy that we want to be around for years to come and uh when i go shopping at 
whatever store it is. I don't want the guy behind me sitting there going, you're the guy that screwed my deck up. And then you, you ghosted me every time I called you instead of coming to fix it. I'd rather be like Caleb said, I'd rather go and spend a week if needed to go make that right. Because that's, that's my business. That's my work. That's my name and integrity. Yeah. I got a saying for you, a quote that I learned a long time ago. What's that? From, Z- from Zig Ziglar. It is unwise to pay too little. When you pay too much, you lose a little money. That is all. When you pay too little, you sometimes lose everything because the thing you bought was incapable of doing what it was bought to do. The common law of business balance prohibits paying a little and getting a lot. Yeah. That's true. Heavy stuff, man. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll leave it with that. Words of wisdom from Caleb Roth and Zig Ziglar. Oh, that's Zig Ziglar. <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> That was my sensei, right? Yeah, really. Well, anyway, man, look, it was great having fun. it was great having y'all on, Justin. It was great having a conversation with you, uh, actually being able to see you and talk to you instead of through Facebook inbox and text messages. And Caleb, <laughs> it's always great having you on, man. The show's always awesome, packed full of content. So, um, anyway, guys, we're gonna wrap this up and call it a night. Y'all just keep on fencing or staying in, right? Yeah. You've been listening to My Fence Life. Yes, we like to have fun. Beer, bourbon, and business. And although we have fun, we take our business very seriously. Dan Blanc is known as the Fence King, and he's been providing high-quality fence solutions since 1999. He's connected to industry leaders, business leaders, financing experts, and marketing gurus that will be on the show to talk about their success stories. To find out more about us, hit the website at myfencelife.com. Listen to the show wherever you consume your content. We are everywhere. Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast. See you next time on My Fence Life.